Hi, I'm James. I'm Kyle. Hi, I'm Mitch. I'm Jeff. And I'm Pop Stupid. This is a podcast where we find a movie everyone in the world has seen except Jeff. We ask about what he knows, then watch the film to fill in the blanks. Tonight's movie, Dirty Dancing. What is this movie about, Jeffrey? Um, the only things I know about Dirty Dancing are that it stars Patrick Swayze. Of course. There's something about putting babies in corners. <laughs> um, I believe there is an extended dance scene with Patrick Swayze lifting a lady up and spinning her around. And I think there's a talk callback sequence during it, maybe, possibly. A talk callback sequence. Yes, where, you know, like, the character like, says one thing like and then... Animal House style? And then the other character says something back to them. You know we can't use Animal House. He hasn't seen that either. Oh, no. oh that's a different episode. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty good summary. Um, <laughs> who other than Patrick Swayze is in it? I have absolutely no clue. So just Patrick Swayze is in this movie alone. Well, no, there's other people. I just don't know. No, no, there's are. there's Patrick Swayze and apparently a girl. Yes, yes a girl. A girl. Yeah. And Patrick Swayze. And Patrick Swayze. Oh, so, and it, I think there's a beach house. Okay. A, a, beach, <laughs> a beach house? I think there's a beach house. Where the shit yeah, did you get that? Oh, there's, so, a, there's a beach house already. So Patrick Swayze plays I I think a robot. A, too. I think a dance instructor. Okay. And the girl is getting taught how to dance. Okay. All right. What yeah. what would you say the major conflict of this movie is? The girl doesn't know how to dance. I, I assume there's also a subtle <laughs> conflict of the girl needing to like get physical with Patrick Swayze. To be clear, he pretty much just summed up every 80s movie. When I mean, I was, the girl yeah, doesn't know how was, to dance. Wasn't you, that one crazy? You pretty summer, much just or? did Flashdance as well. Mm. Which wait, I wait, also wait, haven't seen. Footloose. Yeah. And Footloose. Footloose. I have seen Footloose. Yeah. I have seen Footloose. Of course you have. Really? Do you yeah. know any important scenes in this movie that you could describe to us? Uh, again, the whole Patrick Swayze spinning a girl around in an extended dance sequence that I think happens in a dance studio. There's some mirrors on the wall or something like that. Okay. okay. Well, here's here's the bigger question. Can you tell me or anyone in the world what the significance of this movie is? Like, why do you think we're making you watch the movie? Uh, it's referenced all over the place uh, in the sense that um, uh, it's referenced a lot in parody type situations where people are doing like these extended dance sequences and stuff like that. I think it's also the movie where I had the time of my life got a lot of exposure that's that's fairly accurate actually so was this good for everybody's career that was involved in it i mean clearly girl could have done with a little bit more recognition <laughs> well clearly it was good for patrick swayze because it's one of the big movies that he gets referred to or refers to him well i mean let's be clear he's got like a whole laundry list of those movies i mean there's ghost there's roadhouse i mean it just goes on and on have you seen any other movie with patrick swayze in it jeffrey I saw Ghost. He okay. probably saw Tu Wong Fu. Ghost. Nope. Haven't seen it. What? That That's is another a crime movie. against homosexuality. <laughs> yeah, it really mm. is. Wow. Um, I hey, To be fair, yeah. I did see Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is what Tu Wong Fu was based on. And they kind do of. reference it. Well, the final question would be, will you like it? Um, I don't know. Will you have the I'm time gonna... of your life? Um, well, I know I owe it all to you. Um, it's, it looks uh, to be your classic eighties romance movie. So it'll probably Wolverines! be, 
I don't think that's your classic '80s romance movie. That's Red Dawn, man. Yeah, you haven't Um, seen Red Dawn either, have you? No, no. Like I said, anytime you have to ask him, the answer is no. Um, (laughs) I guess I'll like it. I mean, Top Gun wasn't bad. God, Top Gun was fucking awful. Okay, Top Gun was terrible. But (laughs) whoa, and you know what? They're doing a new Top Gun. We're all gonna have to go see that. You know, Uh, that'll be another podcast. As long as it's still got all the homoerotic volleyball and you know the tightest gay love story since Brokeback Mountain. Yes, I will go see that. If they don't, if they don't reference that at all in the movie, of the heterosexual in the room anymore. Yeah. Oh, God, those <laughs> heterosexuals. I mean, everybody's making everything for the gays, but won't mm-hmm. anybody think of the straight white males? Yeah. Oh, you, Come on. You, you guys scored. Well, you saw clearly in Top oh, Gun, there was got popular. literally nothing straight about that movie. I mean, no, there's I a guy mean, on a motorcycle fist pumping. It's got <laughs> That's fighter it. jets. That's as straight as it gets. It's got fighter jets. That, it's got, you're well, no, right. Tom Cruise has sex with a woman. Does he though? Well, that, that happens in a lot of Tom Cruise. It, was, it happens. It was it a really in blue light. Yeah, it was really blue, it, and it you saw some boobs, but you didn't remember. see some boobs. So really, I mean, you you basically saw more of Val Kilmer in this movie than you saw of her. Take my breath away. Oh my God! Don't sing that song. Yes, so we are. Let's take a break, and then we'll uh, go watch the movie, and then we'll be back with our summation and discussion. Yes, we will. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we're back. We just watched Dirty Dancing. Yes, yes, we did. Let's talk about something that does not hold up well as far as being dirty. Can I just say, uh... (laughs) <laughs> that was that was like watching seventh grade for me on repeat it was basically dry hump the movie <laughs> um i i do have a bit of good to interject before we slam this movie okay, okay. go ahead uh about the movie actually I, I forgot how well filmed it was like everything looked good the cinematography was good the way they moved and followed cameras and showed action like it was it was good yeah, there yeah. was there was this one cut scene that James and I absolutely <laughs> lost it. And it was the scene where Jerry Orbach had just uh, basically found out that his daughter, she had just admitted that she's been banging Patrick Swayze this entire time. Right. And he's it, all of a sudden straight cut scene him with his out on the deck with his feet propped up on a chair overlooking the lake and shit. And it was just the weirdest juxtaposition from God damn it. You're banging my daughter to. Oh man! Right. Look at the serene landscape. I it, to me, it translated as uh, a death in the family. Like <laughs> this dude was so incredibly disappointed. Yeah, well, yeah, I could certainly see that with the with the way it was framed. And um, I thought the choreography was also very good. I mean, as what, a dancing movie goes, you kind of have to hit it on that. What choreography was there? I mean, there was. You've got the basic cha cha. You've got the basic. No, it was that end scene. Uh, the end. Okay, I'll give you the, the end, end scene. scene. We, the, we support everybody. The, dance to support the guys in the end to win. Yeah, the win. the end scene, but also the performance in front of at the shell at the, or whatever the at the other can hotel. I, yeah. yeah. Can I just say everybody footloose? <laughs> well, we've covered a few. What aspects worked well in this ver- movie versus which ones didn't? I do have to admit that the storyline seemed 
a little bit more feasible than many other 80s movies that I've seen. You know, it it dealt with serious issues. I wouldn't say necessarily with a plum, but at least with some effort. I mean, it dealt with the repression of the 60s. Yeah, in a number of ways. But it didn't do it ham-fistedly, which a lot of other movies from the 80s do. What did you think, Kyle? I don't know. It's uh, it's one of those things where it felt incredibly ham-fisted, where it was like, okay, so now we have a clear separation in classes, and everybody who's not rich is totally fucking butthurt, and everybody who is rich is a total douchebag. Even Jerry Orbach, who was great in this movie, acted like a douche until the very end. Hmm. And Mitch? I, I'm pretty much much of the same. Um, I'd also like to point out that this isn't so far-fetched. It's a kind of a typical wacky 80s contrived situation like the whole honor of not taking the money and getting it down but having to work for it which like puts her in a in a wacky honor position this is forces her into this whole dancing situation which is exactly what she wanted anyway and it's just to help because they point out that she's a helper and dad wanted her to help and everything and basically it just it, it's a way for her to get exactly what she set out to do Wait, in did. a weird way. And by the oh, way, as a sub note, this is this is this is paying for an illegal abortion, <laughs> which you yeah, know we, when it when it comes down to it, I I don't remember the exact line. I should have wrote it down, but it, it had something to do. It had something. <laughs> it had something to do with dirty knife illegal abortion doctors. Yes, dirty but, knife and folding table. I tried really hard. I swear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, well, here's well, the thing. Didn't she end up taking the money anyway? Like she went and got the abortion. The only hang up was that the only time this doctor could do it was on a night she had to perform. Right. Yes. That was the contrivance. That was that was the contrived honor situation because she wasn't just going to take the money. But if you're going to work for the money, but I can't work for the money because I can only do it on this night. It's just like, OK, no, she she took the money and was like, hey, thanks for the two hundred fifty dollars. By the way, now I need you to take my place to do something right. else. Well, no, because, again, it was building on that whole baby has to help everyone. Right. Which is helper. Get, we can get yeah, into the whole infantilism of this woman throughout this entire movie. But um, the whole thing was she was going to give back the money because she assumed no one would be able to do it. And then baby stepped up to do it. And then she was able to take the money and actually get the back alley abortion, which was a terrible idea to start with. So, well, to be fair, they didn't think it was going to be a back alley. abortion. at least that's not how it was sold to them. Yes, they they knew it was going to be a back alley abortion because back then, if you remember, well, there was no Roe v. Wade. We actually had to look it up in the middle of the movie. Roe v. Wade didn't happen until what, 73? Yeah, 10 years later. Yeah, we weren't sure about the overall. It was a different time. We weren't sure about the overall legality of abortions in general, so we didn't like know. People if, had to. This is how abortions happen. I feel like okay. they weren't exactly super strict on their timeline continuity because oh I mean they ended a show set in 1963 with a song that wasn't written until like 1984. So that's, a, meh. that's okay. And the Vietnam War references that weren't going to happen for another five years, and yet, and yet. They so precisely hit it with the death of JFK. Well, moving well, on that, to the next point. Well, it's kind How? of an easy setup, though, with the JFK thing. I mean, it's just like, hey, he gets murdered in November. Guess what? Summer bunkhouse right. movie. It's like right before that happened. That That's their time frame. That's, well, their, that's Jeff calling it precise. Yeah, but again, that comes back to the fact they could do that, but then not, you know, pay attention to the fact that the Vietnam War didn't really start until five years later. So how did this film make you feel, Jeffrey? 
Well, as as a gay man having to watch a lot of <laughs> heterosexual people grind constantly, a little uncomfortable. There was a lot of sweaty Patrick Swayze in his prime, though. But there was also a lot of sweaty for apparently just reasons, which I found a little contrived as well. Because there was a lot of sweaty, as I recall, in Top Gun as well, where people were just arbitrarily sweaty for some reason. Now... Kyle, I know that you're a very sensitive man. How did this film make you feel? <laughs> very sensitive. Actually, uh, it's. I mentioned this at the end. The last song that they play for the big finale, it was one of those songs I mentioned that if I hear this outside of this movie, I hate this song. It's stupid. But if you play this song in the context, like while I'm watching the movie, I get super jacked. Like it's an awesome song. This is a great thing. And it takes me back to being a kid. So for me, I had a lot of opinions on what was going on. Like, you know, when you're raised by very strong, independent women and you sit there and have to sit sit through a movie where somebody's constantly apologizing for fucking one guy, you're just like, okay, this is kind of stupid. But for the most part, it was what it was when I watched it when I was like six. It's a dancing movie that's got a lot of uncomfortable parts, like abortions and bloody stuff. How about you, Mitch? How did this movie make you feel? You have to understand that just because it was on my radar at the time because like my family was all into it and the music from it and coming from a musical family they're all playing it now on their instruments this thing was huge so i think i have a unique hatred for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> everybody to start be playing honest. and also that being said during that time in my life dirty dancing was just it, if it had a, a vampire a laser sword or some sort of phaser in it, then then those are the movies that I'll probably have a whole lot more input on. Um, like I said, it was pretty contrived, and I just about stopped at that dialogue <laughs> with, the, with well, the folding table and the dirty knife. Like I, had to, you also have to, I had like, to like take a break for a minute, you know, sort of compose yourself, right? And then I look down, and I'm going, "Oh my god, that's that's only halfway through." <laughs> Well, you also have to look at it and you have to think that uh, at some point in this movie, uh, like when you're watching it at a different age, when you see people, and I made this comment during the movie, that when you see these people, oh, I want to come over and you know they're about to bump uglies and they sit there and they dance for a while alone in the room. It's like when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, that's romantic. But like being 31, I'm like, nah, man, take the clothes off and just start getting to it. This is I got I got stuff to do today. <laughs> I'd like to point out that uh, also in that scene was sweaty. Sweatiness happened. Yes, exceptional sweatiness. And that he was... magically grew chest hair and armpit hair in like no time flat. Right. Just saying. Now also in the, in the end when they're on stage, you know, the whole dance off in the end there, whatever that is, where everybody came to support them in that mm -hmm. weird Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical way. Oh my mm -hmm. God. That's what I thought. Right? <laughs> that's what I, okay, back them up quickly. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I just thought that that was really strange. So, I even remember back in the day thinking that was really strange. So what is the message of this movie? And do you agree or disagree with it? it? Really, it seems to be a classism movie. It seems to be very much the juxtaposition of the rich and wealthy versus the uh, working class and how it almost had like a Romeo and Juliet kind of vibe to it. Like they were kind of scratching the surface of that with the whole, you know, he's from the lower classes. She's from a well-to-do family. She's going to go on and do great things. So, so 
Would Wasn't you say Romeo the, also from a well-to-do Yeah, family? would you say the Cop- Capulets or the Montagues are the lower class than Romeo and Juliet? Right. Well, no, in the in the sense of a scratch surface that there's a rift between the two of them. Hmm. Not that the rift is the same. In Romeo and Juliet, it's the two fighting houses. In this case, it's effectively working class stiff versus well-to-do family. Right. But the point being, there's enough of a rift that their romance is not to be done. I get what you're saying. You're basically saying that there's a division between these two people and it's not of their own doing. Yes, it's either socially implemented or culturally implemented, I guess. So would you say you agree that, you know, people of the lower class should stay lower class and just be happy suffering in their hovels and poverty? Well, I don't think I have enough monocles to say that, so I'm going to have to go the other way. Yeah, where's his copy of The Fountainhead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was a thing, because your, your Yale med student who's summering as a waiter at a country club is like, hey, let me just pull this book out of my back pocket in order to justify running around and knocking up anybody I want and then not bothering to help them out afterwards. After saying the line, some people matter more than others. These some, places some actually existed. You know, it may seem like a fairy tale, but I had a, a family member that actually owned bungalow colonies up in Monticello and these kind of things at events and people running these events and stuff like would happen every summer for like two months. Like trying on wigs? That seemed like a super exciting thing to do. I don't know about any of that, but certainly, you know, the pool games and the shuffleboard, you know. Yeah. I could attest to witnessing that. And and I'd also like to point out the other weird dichotomy, which is you've got a bunch of young college students who are working for this hotel guy who he then says, hey, subtly, if you want to, you know, kind of get a little groovy with the guests, that's okay. Yeah, it's okay to fool around with them as long as we're making money. Yeah, and and as long as you don't, you know, knock them up or get in trouble or anything like that. So be discreet, but feel free to just hang around these people for extra tips. He was only saying that, though, to the college educated, because as soon as the, quote, entertainers walked in, he was just like, hey, make sure you don't touch nobody. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was the other weird division. You've got these college students. And can I say... Oh my god, how many times were people naming off colleges during this movie? I only heard three, though. I heard Harvard, wherever the hell she was going. But the point was, people were dropping them all the time. Well, yeah, that was kind of like, that's how you prove that you were part of upper society. It's like, oh, by the way, I go to That's how people would arrange their daughters to get married to the the sons. By the way, let's talk about that arrangement bullshit for a second. That whole thing, because I came back to this, I believe, what, twice during the movie? Where the dude walks up, and it was the douchey guy who knocked up the chick in the first place. The fountainhead guy, right? The Yale medical student. Ooh. Right. He walked up and just straight up talks to baby a certain way in front of her dad. And then the short little stocky guy who's like owns two hotels or whatever the hell. He did the same thing, like right in front of her dad, gave her a command. And all I can think of is, why didn't Jerry Orbach get out of his chair, chokeslam the shit out of this guy on the table... And then threaten him with a rusty knife and a fold-out table. Like, it's the 60s. He's, you know, he's the father and they're potentially husbands to his daughter. Yeah, but he's he's like, he's a doctor. It's not like we're marrying up. I mean, they, they might have been marrying up, but at the same time, there's a certain point where you're just like, I don't want my daughter that I love and tell. Because apparently he had a different type of connection with this daughter than he had with the, different, with the other daughter. It was, she was like, you always told me to be good to people. And she's like going into the Peace Corps and all this other stuff. And... 
he didn't once be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Watch your mouth when you fucking talk to my daughter. That's not okay. I'm going to kill you and your entire family. Like that should have been the end of the movie. I mean, maybe he's trying to find a way to turn his daughter away from the dark side of being a dirty hippie. Right. <laughs> by giving her the douchebags. Well, well yeah, uh, by sending her off to the douchebags. Well, yeah, but right. in one case, I think he thought he was doing good for her though. I think with the fountainhead guy, the fountainhead guy had already gotten assigned to that family anyways by the owner of the hotel. And in the case of the other guy, I think that guy was assuming that Baby was there to, you know, get it on with him and become his trophy wife. So he could run his two hotels and have her off in the Peace Corps and it all just being sort of this theoretically perfect marriage out of the 60s. Well, this is a fine uh, intro into our next point of was there something you didn't understand about the film? Kyle clearly didn't understand. <laughs> oh, there's more. <laughs> why? Uh, why a dad would just hand his daughter off to a douchebag. Jeffrey, was there anything about the film that you didn't understand? It's not exactly super complex. But. No, I mean, there's there are some interplays like how how the dad was OK with giving uh fountainhead his i assume letter of recommendation when i assume that the dark-haired sister would have already told him that she found robbie with another woman why would why would she have said anything because then she'd have to admit she went over to his cabin in the middle of the night without telling anybody oh right she was keeping that a secret from she didn't say shit yeah fair enough fair enough yeah, it's, the dad was largely just sort of a lingering character anyways, aside from assisting with fixing a botched abortion and generally, you know, trying to be a strict person. Although, I suppose he was at least more of a character than the mother was, who was pretty much there to go, oh, that's nice. Until the very end. Yeah, where she stepped up for a total of one or two lines. Yeah, like where she goes, hold on, sit down, don't go anywhere. By the way, he probably gets her whoring from me. But he, all, all the, the one other thing I didn't really understand, I know we brought this up during the movie, too, is I've I've dated a bunch of different girls and I've met a bunch of different girls parents. The one thing you don't want to do when you're going to be like, hey, by the way, I'm actually really a good guy. I know I'm from the wrong side of the tracks. You don't want to show up looking like a greaser. Like you don't want to be wearing your leather jacket. You don't want to be looking like wearing uh, your you shades. understand in the 80s. That was no, no, no. This book, is man. This that is was six, it. This is in 63. Was happening. I, I understand. My point is, is that there was like a big resurgence and there was plenty of mama jeans going on back then. And there weren't any mama jeans back then. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. But at one point he goes over and he's just like, OK, baby has already stuck her neck out there. I basically yeah. am getting fired anyway. Let me go try to set the right. record straight, at least with her dad. And he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I need to throw my leather jacket and my shades and look like a greaser. Exactly. Yeah, nah, man, wear one of your button ups. Let's break out my one. black on black on black. <laughs> So yeah, I let's, didn't understand that either. Okay. Oh yeah. God. Let right? not wear the tuxedo outfit he was wearing earlier, which would actually be presentable. No, just right. wear the leather jacket. How about you, Mitch? Was there anything you didn't understand about the film? It, yes. And it always seems to end up something completely different than, than you guys. I'm always looking at the music and music stuff and the versions of music that they put in there and the compilations of music that they put in there. It was a big thing in the 80s. But the one thing that it boils down to me in the end, and I remember thinking this as a kid, was, Jesus Christ, how did this start? <laughs> you got this huge band in the background and they're playing, they're jamming and everybody's dancing and they're doing the whole Buffy support dancing thing. But if you remember correctly, that whole thing started with him handing him a 45 record and putting it on the record player and putting the needle on the thing and the <laughs> dancing started and it was just this dance. And then all of a sudden the record player had a backing band just poof 
appear out of nowhere. How did that happen? That is the one thing that. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy going to town on this trumpet while the sax was playing like he was playing the sax. There, there was, I just want to just basically break it down. There's no, there, there was a record player and then there was a band. It was seamless. Yeah. And the fact that the band was able to play with the record player, despite, despite the guy who runs the hotel asking the conductor of the band, Hey, do you have the sheet sheet music music for this? this. Yeah. (laughs) I listen, again, it's a suspension of reality. At some point, the record player disappears and now we have the band that's doing it. Yeah. Yeah, That, that's what I didn't understand. There's many other concepts as to how we had to get to where we are as far as what was the motivation to get us here. And I, I think it was weird and have to point out that it was an illegal, dirty abortion. <laughs> <laughs> you're just, you're just lingering what brought, on that. You're just lingering what on that. Brought is like, it was just amazing <laughs> to me, you know? It's and, and one of the things that I had forgotten until I rewatched the movie. But There was, um, there was one scene in this movie. I, I'd like to give a special great. shout out, man, to Wayne Knight, who was the best yes. actor in that <laughs> yes. fucking movie, okay? Oh my god. It's, <laughs> yes. I've never seen... I've never seen Jeff react to a movie quite like when Wayne Knight jumped on and he's like, it's Newman. (laughs) (laughs) So that leads us into our next point about what did you like best about the movie? He was telling Jeff jokes. Um, Yes. Yes. Wayne Knight was telling pretty much strictly Jeff jokes. Um, (laughs) Oh God. Wasn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Even when he was doing a stand-up routine. Like I said, it it had an interesting point of conflict. I do agree now that sort of reviewing it, Mitch has a point in that it is incredibly contrived, but it wasn't the same sort of super contrived situation that you usually get out of these 80 movies. It You know, it isn't something like, I suppose it's a little more fanciful, but like out of Splash, where he just finds this woman who's a mermaid and just hauls her out and then this whole thing happens, or... Like yeah, but that mannequin. wasn't because of an abortion that a mermaid washed up on the shore. <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> no, but the point was the contrivance was the romance. And that's that, as you said, is the point of this movie. And in this case, the contrivance wasn't some incredibly bizarre thing that happened. It was something that very well could have happened. What was your favorite part about this film, Kyle? So I'm a big fan of 80s movies when it comes to one thing and it's their soundtrack. So that just takes me back to, I mean, granted, I wasn't born until like the end of 85. So my love for the 80s music came after all of that was, you know, in canon and everybody loved the hell out of it. But parts of the movie, the thing that I really enjoyed, specifically one scene was with sweaty uh, Patrick Swayze sitting on the floor watching hot blonde chick and hot Jennifer Gray, like try to dance. And the whole time, the whole time he's sitting there going, come on, take some clothes off or something. But (laughs) the the best, those are in the secret tapes, Kyle. Yeah. Right. The best part of this movie though, to me was seeing all the most iconic parts of the movie. Like nobody puts baby in a corner and how really, how little it meant to the actual movie because nobody puts baby in a corner was in the last, like what, five minutes of the movie before the big dance scene. And it had nothing to do except for She's sitting in the corner. Right. The trouble is that this film was basically a bunch of music videos tied together. The actual plot, if you removed music and dance sequences, would be about 15 minutes of movie, I'd say. So I would say probably my favorite part of this movie was its brevity. Ah, there we go. (laughs) Well, that and, you know, I also have to agree with you. The soundtrack was quite good. You had a, a really interesting fusion of poppy 80s music with classic 1960s early rock songs. So it turned out quite good. Mitch? 
your favorite part uh, about I, this movie? I would actually have to agree with that. And and I'm not talking, and I have the list in front of me here, and I'm going to tell you what I'm not talking about. What I'm not talking about is the time of my life. She's like the fucking wind. Remember that Patrick Swayze horrible song? Oh, yeah. Hungry Eyes, eh. But the ones I am talking about are things like Stay by Maurice Williams. Yes, and sir. And The Still of the Night, Hey Baby. Did they I not mean, the, do the twist are, as well? No, it was uh, Do You Like Me Like This. Oh, yes. Yeah, Do You Like Me Like This, exactly. These are songs that are iconic even now, relevant even now, and back in the 80s was having a bit of a resurgence, was a look back at that time period, so it made perfect sense, and I would have to agree. I do remember as, as a kid in the 80s, it was pretty common to hear stuff from the 60s on the oldies yeah. stations. Yeah, and yeah that's not the hippie with. 60s stuff, this 60s stuff. See, I grew the, up with the more of the temptations type yeah. stuff. The sock hop dancing. White people music. Oh, by the way, speaking really? of white people, holy shit. How many white people could they fit in one movie? They only had a token <laughs> black couple in there. No no no, 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 no. There were five black people. We counted at one point. There were five in one scene, and it was at the very end. And, of course, there were no speaking parts. Yes, most of the black people were part of the whole entertainer dance group. Yeah, the only one that the, the Buffy backup crew. Yeah, the only one that wasn't was the conductor. Oh yeah, right. he did have a speaking scene, and that was because what did they start talking about? Like pasteurized milk, and don't you remember what it was like being back in the uh, the depression? The depression. Wow. Yeah, it was a bad time. Pasteurized milk for the first time. I was like, what the hell is this dialogue? Well, that leads us into our next point of what did you like least about the film, Jeffrey? All the heterosexual grinding, but that's a personal preference. Well, there was a lot of that, so... Yes. Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> Alrighty, well, that's a pretty brief I mean, this, this wasn't the crying game. Kyle? Which I also haven't seen. Oh, that's going to be a terrible movie for you. Nobody ruined the surprise. Uh, so what I liked least about this movie would probably be... It would probably have to be just uh, the the clear classism, and I know it was supposed to be a part of the movie, but it's something I had trouble being from, like a lower income family my whole life. That's like Patrick Swayze just rings too much of a bell. Like I, I still have that anger towards rich people where they're just like, Oh, Hey, how you doing? And I'm like, screw you, Richie. So he's kind of like, I didn't like his attitude because I'll admit his prejudice right here. On <laughs> right. The well, it's, I've, I've grown out of no. that quite a bit. And I, no, it was kind no. of frustrating to see Patrick Swayze constantly be like, uh, how he turned immediately uh, what's she doing here? Yeah, you got to get her out of here. By the way, come grind on me right now. Oh, yeah? Are we screwing now? Yeah, by the way, baby, you need to get out of here. And your dad's just a blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, Mitch, what uh, what did you like least about this movie? There's a lot of things that I could spout. I, I actually <laughs> completely agree music. with Kyle on, on that. It's, it's fairly appalling. But, again, the bottom line on this fucking piece of trash that we watched <laughs> is the dirty knife illegal abortion. Dollars. Oh, God, right? <laughs> That w that was it. Like I said, I had to take a break. I had to get up and walk away for a minute. Yeah, it is uh, pretty uncomfortable ate, to be in such a lighthearted, otherwise film. I had a whole pan of orange frost frosted um, cinnamon rolls because it made me feel dirty. What no, was okay. what was Yale medical student's point? And I brought this up during the movie. But what what was he thinking? Like the the scene, Body. Mitch, when Patrick Swayze jumped over the railing and just beat the hell out of this guy. Why yeah. would he roll up and say just, some crap like, oh, he by the way, classism, well, no, classism, that's that's fine. Safe. But the first thing he says is to somebody who outclasses him, like he says, well, oh, looks like I picked the wrong sister. 
and he was in that area because that's where all the staff bungalows were. Because as you recall, mm-hmm. when he was slumming, well, I'm yeah, not. I'm not asking. Was there. I'm not asking why he was there. I'm asking why did he go there to start shit? Why walk up to somebody and be like, "Hey, person of an upper class, you're a whore." And by the way, because I remember slumming it, and that chick just had a back alley abortion. <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with that guy? And then you thank her dad afterwards. What the hell? Like, I didn't think about anything. Well, listen, we we needed a way to fire Johnny Five or whatever his name was, uh, Patrick Swazu, <laughs> Johnny Castle, or as I like to call him, Patrick Sweaty. Patrick Sweaty. <laughs> He's got a new name. We needed a way to. <laughs> We needed a way to get Patrick Sweaty fired from the job so we can continue. To Say what story. you want about Patrick Sweaty, but he, I mean, he was a good looking dude. So, Jeffrey, who was your favorite character in this movie and why? Well, uh, superficially, Patrick Sweaty, because he's Patrick Sweaty. Um, yeah, he is. Fundamentally, I kind of empathized with Baby, which I know was the intention of the movie, but... Uh, she probably had as Hungry much guy. character development as you could get. Yeah, she definitely went on the longest journey of any character in this movie. Yeah, and it was a it was also a wanting to go on this journey, as opposed to her sister, who went on a journey as well, but it was one of those, you know, oh, clear setup kind of situations where she's gonna find out that this guy's not good enough for her. What journey did her sister go on? She basically shows and says, I want to bang this guy. Journey. Oh, I can't bang this guy. Yeah. And that was it. So well, no, and that's just it, is that she went from the journey of thinking, oh, this is a young medical student, maybe I should hook up with him and get married, it'll put me in a comfortable position, and then finding out that he's running around with a bunch of other people behind her back. Well, she, the, only, the only one she found out about, the only one, was the chick she saw him, like, the, she was like, I'm going to go bang this guy, and oh wait, he's already got his dick in her. Like, that was the only one she knew about, because I don't think Baby told her about Baby basically kept her mouth shut the entire movie about stuff unless she needed somebody's help, which was her dad. Pretty much. So, Kyle. Okay. Coming from the straight guy perspective. God, man, Jennifer Grey was hot back in the day. (laughs) Um, And that's 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 going back to like me watching that. And like, I remember watching that movie and then hitting puberty. So that for me was in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Like as soon as I saw her, like, remember how I commented? I was like, man, look at her abs. Even today. I'm like, God, I wish she never got that nose job. But the character to me that I probably thought was the coolest was probably Patrick Swayze's cousin because he had no ulterior motives. He had not. He was literally there to help people and to try to keep things going. So it was like, he's like, oh, can you help me with this watermelon? Let me introduce you to my cousin. Oh, by the way, I helped her get an abortion. I tried to break in when something went bad. Like he was probably the cleanest character because everything he did was going down the right path. Even in retrospect, he tried to do everything good. I feel like. My favorite character in this movie was Jerry Orbach as Baby's dad because he seemed like he was doing the right thing in a tough situation. He was definitely trying to protect his daughter and maybe he was a little heavy handed doing as such. But when the rubber met the road, he always did the right thing. Plus, he's a stellar actor. He's like he's like that dad, though, that, oh, you forgive him because he's oh, he's racist because of the times like. He's like that, like he's classist because of the times he was clearly classist up oh. until he found out the only good redeeming part of his character. And he he was a great actor and his character was good. But the redeeming part of his character was at the very end when he went up and goes, when I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. 
Yeah. So what about you, Mitch? Who's your favorite character in this shit show of a movie? Okay, so I have a, a series of notes <laughs> that I go down throughout the movie. And by this time in the movie, and I have it notated right here, by this time in the movie, I'm yelling out loud, Oh, God! <laughs> I, I, I cannot take it anymore. I bet and you he was at the 142 mark. Because the whole fucking, you know, the whole band joins in, and then it's a thing. Uh, but again, the last thing written down in my notes is the uh, best character in this movie that gave, I would say, probably the cleanest... Uh, performance besides Patrick Swayze's cousin, Mr. Wayne Knight. Everybody, let's give a hand for Mr. Wayne. Knight. Well, here's the thing that about Wayne Knight: he was, was literally playing himself. Every joke Pretty I much. rewound to listen to, just there was a couple of them that made me cringe. My flesh crawled like the worst Jeff joke ever. Yeah, like the one about bringing home your uh, girlfriend that looks exactly like your mom, and your dad doesn't like her. Oh, go figure. Ha 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 ha. That well, and the uh, yeah. the second. The second best uh, favorite character in here was the brunette older lady that would mess with all the younger boys. Well, I mean, yeah, she's just fulfill all those fantasies for you. you she's know? just got to keep herself busy while her husband's yeah. doing his thing. Speaking, yeah. speaking of that woman, that, mommy that offers up an unanswered question. One, was the husband's wallet really stolen? Two, was she the one who said yes. it was stolen after she took it? just dependent on patrick swayze because it seems like they already said that the the like a group of con artists that were there did it yeah the the older couple because you'll recall when that happened i was like man she's got a lot of wallets right and the older couple yeah and it makes sense because that's one of those situations where oh we're just an old couple it's really you mean this isn't my wallet oh are you kidding me when i'm super old i'm gonna shoplift till a like I mean, they're not going to. Oh, you're oh old. when I'm old, Go dude, on. forget it. So switching gears, <laughs> what is your least favorite character in the movie, Jeffrey? Uh, Hotel Grandson. Oh, God, the guy, unbearable. Yeah, the guy who was constantly trying to get baby's attention at the beginning. He was just irredeemable as a character. He was meant to be not so much a villain as just an antagonist because everything he did was just smarmy and smarmy. I've got two hotels. Yeah, he was a he was a a big time scumbag. Not even a bit of a scumbag. Yeah, Yeah, you know, Robbie was a philosophical scumbag, but that guy was just a complete scumbag. Right, right. From Uh, there's a lot of level of scumbag, and I think they kind of covered a few of those. Well, I'm I'm just gonna have to agree with Jeff on that one because I mean, he was basically the worst. He had no character arc. He was basically spending the entire film as a douche, and then he learned nothing. Well, I'm gonna yeah. have to I'm gonna have to go ahead and pick the obvious answer and go with fucking Robbie douchebag because he clearly I mean, from the outset, he knocked a girl up, and I understand you don't want to go down that road, so you're just like, but you you gotta offer I mean, you're in this together and you put that in her. And then to go and antagonize people and then to talk about the fountainhead, and even on top of that, when Jennifer Gray is helping pour water while he's talking about what had happened or whatever the hell they were talking about, he actually corrects her and asks her to pour crisper, like to pour better. And I was like, are you kidding me right now with this crap? Like you're literally the worst human being on the face. Now you don't are, get me wrong. Correct. The hotel Kyle grandson, another level of scumbag right there. The hotel grandson was unbearable, but he was probably just entitled unbearable. This dude was straight evil. Yeah, like he, was- he, he went there to start some shit and patrick swayze gave him a shot at him said hit me in the face stood there and took it and then kept beating the hell out of him so screw that guy robbie douchebag is probably the worst mitch any thoughts Uh, yeah those those are definitely the obvious answers and you are all absolutely correct uh but there is another 
And that's the dude that owns this fucking joint, who's literally mm. pimping people out and hooking people <laughs> up and getting paid for for this elite family line manipulation, much like the royal bloodlines used to be manipulated. It's just a, a slightly different form. And, and he, even though realizes in the end with him and his his old friend, uh, you know, I've seen this, I've seen that. I can't believe everything's changing. Ah, maybe, maybe we need to change is basically what he's saying. The bottom line is he's a pimp and he's evil because he's made money off the whole time. So what were you thinking about as you finished watching this movie, Jeffrey? <laughs> Thank God it's over. Patrick sweaty. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I honestly thought that of the 80s romance movies that I've seen, particularly lately, which I admit has been skewed since we tend to watch the worst of them, um, it seemed like it was a better movie overall. But it was incredibly 80s and is very... 80s movie set in the 60s and is now so completely out of period that it's just not even really... It's not even really close to resonating with anything anymore. <laughs> you know, there is a 2017 version. <laughs> yes, they, they did remake this. And they did a sequel to it as well. They remade it and did a sequel? They they, they did, did a sequel Havana Nights. and then, and then remade it. And oh. remade it. Yeah. yeah there's, I thought I was we lying had, about the Havana We have two Nights. more dirty dancing movies to endure. Yeah, no, I don't think we we're going to be doing that. No, I don't, I don't think either of those is probably culturally relevant enough to justify doing in this podcast yeah, yeah th it might this be podcast better. is about the the best of the best that only jeffrey has never seen so kyle did you have anything to add about your thoughts on this movie going through my mind as this movie came to an end right that's the that's the question yes other than i'm glad this is over it made me realize that this what happened in a span of two weeks yes actually so, it may have uh, only been no, one no. week might uh, have no, been one actually, week uh, it did it because i know no, that no it had season... to be two the it season for two. one of those places is typically two months, the, the summer month. Oh, yeah, because they, they were doing that right as autumn was starting to fall. That, the, that's the final correct. Dance, so, so they were there. And, and not every family stays there the whole two months, but that's one that's open. And there's a lot of families that actually. Do OK, stay OK. There. So let's say let's say they're there for the whole two months. OK, now I remember what it was like when I lost my virginity and just wanting to have sex nonstop until oh, yeah. I couldn't move anymore. But two months in reality, like. In retrospect, at the time, 18, when you're 18, it's like, oh, man, this is this is going to be forever. But what happens at the end of this movie? I mean, he goes off to go be a plasterer. She goes to the Peace Corps and there's no contact because back in the 60s, what are you going to do? You can't text him. You can't look him up on Facebook. You can't do any of those things. It's called it's called writing letters, Kyle, that that actually worked for a while, believe it or not. Yeah, but I don't think their love would have been that strong to have lasted because it's Patrick. Sure? It's Patrick Sweaty. Come on, man. Maybe Patrick Sweaty went with her. And no, did well, the peace I mean, he maybe did. he taught dancing to Africans. Who he knows? did come dancing back. So there's there was kind of the hint in my mind that they probably actually did get hitched, particularly since the dad said, you know, I'm wrong and you're OK. Right. So, you're the, I don't you're think the that meant that you're getting married to my daughter. Uh, yeah, I don't you put the rock to my daughter. But that's that's what I that's what I was thinking about when the movie comes to an end. And I do that frequently with movies where movies are great because they're a snapshot in time. And this movie I wanted to know I always want to know what happens beyond that. Because when you take anyone's life, like if you were to take my life and you were to take a snapshot, you're like, Well, holy crap, this is good, or oh my god, this guy needs to get his life together. But in the grand even, scheme of things, it's sort of just neutral. Do they even mention anybody from this movie in Dirty Dancing too? 
Electric uh, Boogaloo? I doubt it. We would have to watch that to know the answer to that question, and I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think I any of us have seen that. I vote for Dirty movie. Dancing 2 Havana Nights. Uh, uh, hard no. pass. Yeah, hard pass. Mitch, do you have any thoughts that you would like to add? All the, all the issues brought up by everybody was absolutely in my mind at all times. The one thing that probably stuck in my mind the most is literally the Dirty Knife Legal Abortion Doctors, and that was <laughs> it. That is the subtitle to this movie... <laughs> Um, dirty dancing, dirty knife, illegal abortion doctors. <laughs> this time it's personal, and I hear they were going to make a 3D version, but we never actually oh, saw Starring one. Patrick Sweaty. Part, so, starring Patrick Sweaty. Jaw 7. Fucked up her nose with a really bad nose job and never worked again in Hollywood. So, um, or, as I would like to call it, Red Dawn. <laughs> That's probably um, on the list. Which, by the way, both of them did star in that, and I preferred both of them in Red Dawn instead of this piece of trash. So, how like successful do you all think this movie was? At the time? Hugely successful. And it was actually brilliant because half the soundtrack they didn't have to write. It was already written for them. Most of them were also open license, which means they didn't have to pay for using them. I like how he's saying all this music stuff like we know what the hell he's talking about. Well, I'm just Mitch filling you in on some background stuff. information. That I, I mean, he's up. not wrong. The... Uh, Dirty Dancing soundtrack created by Jimmy Iyner generated two multi-platinum albums and multiple singles. Well, yeah, of course. So it was a big deal. Told you, soundtracks for 80 movies. And those the were majority like... of those songs were open source songs. This movie had a budget of $6 million as of 2009. It made a box office take of $214 million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was the very first film to sell more than a million copies on videotape. That's right. Hmm. So Dirty Dancing is actually a very big deal. Apparently so. Well, no, I thought it was hugely successful. I mean, it, it's like um, Top Gun. Like Top Gun at the time, hugely successful movie. But it doesn't necessarily hold up well. And that's like the sign of a, to me, the sign of a really successful movie is one that holds up over the decades like a good one for example would be like the godfather the godfather holds up mm. but you watch like top gun and you're just like bro don't follow her into a, a woman's bathroom <laughs> or with this one you're just like what the hell are you doing shaming women and like why are the two women who are supposed to be like the girly girls eating grapefruit and like there were there was a lot of symbolism in it that you're just like it doesn't hold up now in 2017 yeah, everybody's having a huge breakfast and she's like dipping a tiny spoon into a grapefruit her mom as well i, I saw that that's I, that's what i'm saying the girls it was uh oh yeah except not was, uh, uh, not jennifer gray jennifer gray had a big old plate of food right I mean, because she wasn't a girly girl to to reinforce your point yes you're not wrong ghostbusters 1984 this movie 1987 and ghostbusters is still to this day a classic and this movie yeah. is not Bless that's you. true i'm Wait. assuming jeff has seen ghostbusters you're saying that yes you're saying that dirty dancing is not a classic i mean it's a classic but it's not the same tier. it's no ghostbusters i don't know man like ghostbusters seems like one of those movies where you can find like it created sort of a uh a fandom and Dirty Dancing was just sort of like the 13-year-old you needed to see it. You know, you're, you're probably right about that. Again, I mean, we're not really disagreeing here. But the one thing I just got to point out, again, is Dirty Knife Illegal Abortion Doctors. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, but when you're watching that as a kid, you're just like, what's that? And you're like, they got rid of the baby. And you're like, okay, move on. Is Santa Claus real? Like, you just... <laughs> so... <laughs> 
<laughs> Touche, Kyle. <laughs> so, would you say that this film is influential? I mean, has anybody seen it referenced in any notable way, or did it make a, a big splash in popular culture? Uh, no, it, I mean, Footloose happened after this? Yeah, I think the... Footloose was like 88 or something like that. But no, I, Dirty Dancing, I mostly have seen the um, I think Footloose was first. second studio sequence um, is the thing most commonly referenced. Where, you know, you've got the two of them crawling towards each other and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Never seen it referenced the... ever anywhere in anything. Ever. Really? I've seen it referenced seen it a couple like of times. everywhere, especially the don't put baby in a corner. It's kind of like one of those catchphrases you get out of a movie that just you pull out of wherever. And uh, to I... be clear, Footloose was in 1984. Oh, so it was earlier. Okay. So... Yeah, I thought it was earlier. February. Yeah, and so the point being, my point being is... I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> so to to what extent did this movie fit your expectations, Jeffrey? I mean, it's it's about as 80s as you can get. And what, even for a movie set in the 60s. When you were going hmm. into it, that's basically what you were expecting to get out of it. Yeah, I was expecting pretty much what was on the tin, which is that there was going to be dirty dancing. And there was a lot of dirty dancing. And that it was going to be sort of your, it wasn't really your rom-com one. But it was very much classic 80s romance movie. Kyle, expectations? Expectations. I mean, the expectations were met. It's an 80s movie with a great soundtrack, and there's a lot of dancing and a stupid plot. So really, boom, A+. Plus. Uh, as far as being classy, uh, C-. minus. Okay. Mitch, how did this movie fit your expectations? I had no expectations. Would rather be using the Force. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a good one. And I basically, I've seen this movie before. I expected it to be... Much the same. Literally everybody's seen this movie before, except so, for Jeff. Except for Jeff. Final question. Jeffrey, did you like it? Eh. Oh my God, it's Dirty Dancing. Of course you liked it. Again, yeah. Patrick Sweaty, A+. Plus, He's being honest. All grinding. Just, just B minus C. Just imagine two him, dudes. Made him uncomfortable. There were How? a lot more women that were doing the grindy grind than there yeah. were guys that I could really make out. So, yeah. Well, that's because when you're a guy and you do the grindy grind, you get the hardy hard, and then there's by the way, the I never, hide. I never thought Jennifer Grey was attractive. Yeah, oh, she had really? a cute little tight body, but whatever. No, she has a severe case of resting bitch face. She does. You I, mentioned that. So, Kyle, did you like this movie? God, man, of course I like this movie. I mean, well, one, I don't have a problem with the grindy grind. Uh, and Jerry Orbach, it's always good to see him act because he's always just been awesome and everything, especially every law SBU. and order. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the music was good. I mean, you saw me rocking out to it. I started singing halfway through the <laughs> movie. So it's, uh, Jennifer Grey hot, Patrick Swayze hot, and this is coming from a straight dude. And it's just the plot was the plot they intended to be like that. And that's the biggest issue I had. So yeah, of course I like this movie. I, I would say that. This is a legit good movie. I mean, it, it's a solid piece, but it's not for me. So <laughs> I would say I did, did not like this movie. It's, you know, it's ostensibly a piece about classism and what it really is, is dry hump the movie. Yeah. Mitch, <laughs> did you like, well, we already know the answer. This. Did you like Dirty Dancing? No. Being a musician, though, the, like I said, the music. The, the half of the soundtrack that they didn't write, that they just stole and didn't do any work on pretty much, was uh, was fantastic and actually defined uh, a few years within the 80s 
um, that, that were really cool musically, actually, uh, as a result of the resurgence of some of that older music. And that was really its only redeeming quality. Well, how would you compare this to Footloose? Because, I mean, the, the premise for this at least was you based can't. in Footloose classism. Footloose makes me die when I watch it. <laughs> like, in, on the inside, like, it's that bad, right? Oh, my God. Because Footloose is like, okay, so we don't want kids to have sex, so let's ban all dancing. It's well, like it wasn't the premise sex. For that they is even wanted worse. to ban them from drinking, but dancing was the thing. So if they ban dancing, then nobody can drink and drive and get killed, which was, you know, the mantra of the 80s is they didn't want us drinking and driving, which is really funny. But it did have we John didn't Lithgow. We really ever drink and drive that much. We mm-hmm. drove to a place and then we drank. And then stayed there? And then we woke up the next day and drove home, <laughs> usually. Sounds like college. So, that, <laughs> that's pretty much the end of our podcast. Yeah. Dirty Dancing, Dry Humping the Movie. Dry <laughs> Hump the Movie, part one. Dry Humping the Movie, colon, abortion doctor. No, dirty no, knife dirty, knife, <laughs> dirty Knife, a fold-out table abortion doctor. Yeah. Dirty, it's No, it's Dirty Knife, illegal abortion doctor. <laughs> Sorry. Right, so, Dry Hump the Movie, colon, Dirty knife, folding table, abortion, illegal abortion doctor. Doctors. Did you have the time of your life? <laughs> I bet she did. I'm James. I'm Kyle. I'm Mitch. And I'm Jeff. And I'm a little less pop stupid. This has been a production of the Discord Engineering Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, consider supporting us on Patreon. We offer early releases of new episodes, bonus episodes, our favorite clips from the cutting room floor, and a monthly Q&A. We'll also be taking requests for the movies you'd like to see us talk about only on our Patreon. Our shows exist thanks to the support from our listeners. So consider stopping by www patreon.com slash discord engineering and help us make others a little less pop stupid.